You're listening to The Dollop. This is a a biracial American history podcast (laughs) where I... Dave Anthony, a white guy, reads a story from American history to his friend... Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. Also a white guy. Uh, Not necessarily. We have a a special guest. Uh, Our guest... I mean, it's weird. I started out... When I was starting to do comedy, this is a guy I like, loved and, and watched when I was starting out. Number one, that's my way of saying I, I really love his comedy. And number two, he's a lot older than me. Um, uh, but then I like, got to work with him on Marion. Like, he directed an episode that I wrote, like really fucking two episodes, I think. Uh, really awesome. So uh, he's become a friend. Ladies and gentlemen, Bobcat Goldthwaite. <laughs> Wow. Hi, thanks. That's very kind of you. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I think you said, you know what? We needed to make this show a little more whiter, a little older. <laughs> Let's bring out Bob Scratch Goldfarb. You know, I did like the most benign Trump joke, and, and I got 43 death threats on Instagram. <laughs> Instagram. Instagram. <laughs> what lazy like, death threats? Well, I was like going, who likes Trump? And I was like, oh, Police Academy fans. <laughs> <laughs> they love Donald Trump. You They're changed, like, Bobcat. <laughs> you used to stand for the law. <laughs> dear, dear Officer Zed. <laughs> that was the character's name. We but, need uh, Hightower more than ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think... Uh, I think rebooting it would be a bad call right now. <laughs> it would be divisive. Yeah. Da, 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 da. I, um, I, you, you know, I worked with David, and uh, that, he's so, I, really, that episode, uh, I did a bunch of episodes in Baron, but the one, that one in particular is my favorite one, and it, and it really featured you a lot. So I don't know how Mark would feel about that. But, uh, um, yeah, Those it was are the great. best ones. Yeah. Dave's still in character. The ones that feature me were the best ones. Yeah. I'm not going to say that. You guys aren't laughing because it's, it's, it's true. true. Like I said a fact. <laughs> I would say that's true. <laughs> Mark doesn't listen, so who gives a shit? Yeah. I'm not I think be, Mark's fantastic, just in case he doesn't. I'm not going to be directing the Joker 2. Yeah. Still joking. <laughs> not with that attitude. Yeah. <laughs> it's not okay. Bob Scratch shitty attitude. <laughs> 1930. I should have looked up how to pronounce some of these things. <laughs> uh, that could be said for most episodes. Yep. Eddie Haymore uh, was born in the Bega Valley of Lebanon. It was an area rich in farmlands, hills, lakes, and Roman ruins. Cool. Yeah. Uh, his father was a Muslim, uh, his mother a Christian. 
and they moved to Beirut when Eddie was a very young man. Hmm. That's how, if, they, if they were to be a sitcom, that would be the lyrics to the intro song. <laughs> how, it, how, the, how does the song go? Uh, his father was a Muslim. His mother was a Christian. Now they moved to Beirut. That's the, the show's about to start. Hand down. <laughs> They put that last lyric in there? The... That, well, no, well, they, they, they'll punch it up. Don't worry about that. Would... That gets punched up in post. That's a post job. Yeah, that's... Yeah. But honestly, just with the start, I can't imagine anything bad happening. Nope. <laughs> Seems pretty solid. Yep, no issues here. <laughs> that's... They actually went, I don't know how this is going between you and I, but let's go to Beirut. <laughs> that should be good. Let Beirut decide. Yeah, let... Uh, in Beirut, Eddie became a barber, uh, but he wanted more to life, so in 1955, he emigrated to Canada, where his sister was already living. Yeah, that's where we are. That's where you guys come yeah. in. The blackface country. Okay. <laughs> I'm just so glad you guys did that, so we have something. Yeah. Uh, do, you remember when, little... do you remember when Trudeau came out of uh, this family was hiking and he came out of a cave shirtless what what that's why he could like have got jesus out, he could have got out of this whole mess he could have said i'm the real trudeau <laughs> i never put on blackface <laughs> i had to kill the evil trudeau he's in there uh, his name's true don't <laughs> <Hey>, kill him <laughs> uh so when Eddie was 25, when he arrived here in Canada, he had $17 to his name. All right. Uh, but his plan was to become very rich. Sure. He only, uh, he only knew two words, which he wrote on a sign. This is, okay. And carried it around. Sure. And, and it, that helped him learn how to pronounce the words, and the words were, me, barber. Okay. So, now he the got, millions roll in. He got so much business from Tarzan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me need your service. <laughs> Me barber. Me Tarzan. I think this conversation's over. <laughs> and he needs it so badly, yeah. too. So he walked around Edmonton until someone gave him a barber job. So someone gave him a proper job? A bar- barber job. A barber, he yeah. Walked around okay, with a yeah. sign until someone was like, yeah, yeah, come on. <laughs> How are you with finances? Oh, never mind. Uh, he was a very hard worker. He had a lot of energy, and he uh, soon, after a while, opened his own barber shop. Me barber shop. Me barber shop. Uh, me barber. I don't remember me barber shop. Had he cut hair before, and could he have been someone that was transitioning? Hmm. Me barber. <laughs> Mandrell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, uh, it was called Four Haymores. Four Haymores? His last name's Haymore. Okay. Sure. Uh, so, uh, so he, it was successful. He bought a home. He opened more Jesus. hair, he opened hair salons. He opened his stylist schools in both Calgary and Edmonton. So he's killing it. He's learned a few other words since He knows then. other words. Right, okay. Otherwise, He knows you, wow. Barber. Yeah. Franchise. Uh, <clears throat> that's it. Yeah, that's Those enough. Are, yeah. He walked around the sign, a sign that just said franchise, and people were like, all right. Okay, yeah, what is it? <laughs> uh, oh, sorry, me, Barber. Franchise? Hmm. Uh, so he's living the immigrant dream, right? Eddie, he's very charismatic, he's very charming, he's very good looking. He married a Canadian woman, 
uh, Laureen, who was 19 years old, raised on a farm in Alberta. Uh, they would go on to have four kids. Okay. So they like fucking. Yep. <laughs> Me finish inside. <laughs> <laughs> No, me come on face. <laughs> uh, me thinks two's enough. Uh, you pill again? Uh, you should. <laughs> I was just thinking if he, if he came, he went, me barber. Get off, get off of me, get off of me Get the fuck off of me uh, So they would go on and have four kids Like I said uh, Eddie became a Canadian citizen in 1960 He was so excited he threw a giant Lavish Middle Eastern themed party well. 250 people Attended uh, There were belly dancers, the Edmonton mayor came The lieutenant governor was there Eddie wore a white tux with a bow tie the provincial uh, secretary toasted him, quote, I can assure Eddie that he will never be disappointed with Canada. Well, I feel like that's foreshadowing. Uh, uh, <laughs> when has a brown, a, per, a person with brown skin ever been disappointed in Canada? Well, we've been talking a little bit about it on this show, so. Eddie said, quote, it was the best day of my life. But after it's years, all about to fall yeah. <laughs> apart. <laughs> the wheels but, are about to come yeah, off. Uh, the really best day one. of my life. Yeah, never say that. Yeah, gear no. shift now for Dave to go, but... After a few years, the marriage wasn't... <laughs> 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 after a few years, the marriage wasn't going great. Eddie was successful, and he worked constantly, and this put a strain on the marriage. Sure. In the late 1960s, they separated. Eddie responded by kidnapping the children. Good. Smart. Smart. No, that makes sense. That's what you do. Yep. Yeah. That's how you do it. Yep. That's what my mother did. But, I mean, it's not like traditional kidnapping. It's not like... No, no, he didn't tie... like leaving a Nirvana show after making a Michael Jordan joke. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not like, uh, can you describe the kidnapper? Yeah, dad. Dad. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Dad. Yeah. No, a dad kidnapping is one that just kind of like slowly dawns on you. Like yeah. in the ride, you're like, it's like, hey, shouldn't mom be with us? Hey, it's been like three days. Dad's crying a lot more than usual. Why are we in Michigan? We're not. So we're not going to Disneyland. <laughs> but it's not a kidnapping. Dad, why are you cutting letters out of a magazine? Don't worry, guys. Please. <laughs> it's for your mom. I'm just getting an M, E, a couple B's, an A, an R, and another R, and an E. <laughs> My classic sign-off. Me. Sorry, Nancy, I took the kids. Me, Barber, Eddie. Me. Uh, their son, Lee, quote, we all thought we were going to... Yeah, totally. He's like, oh, awesome. Price... We're going to go rafting. Uh, Kelowna? We all thought we were going to Kelowna for the day But we were soon on a plane to Lebanon Oh my god Wow, this is This is very different How long is the flight to Kalula, Dad? (laughs) Uh, Just like a day Uh, Eddie, when they got to Lebanon Dropped the kids off at a private boarding school And then went traveling around the Middle East What kind of move is this? 
He had a perfect get. He could, could get out. She wanted a divorce. He could go do this. But instead, he's like, no, it's the principle. Yeah. Ne- if you don't want him, neither of us get him. Yeah. Someone's got to learn a lesson here. Four people. Uh, Eddie said he was traveling to, quote, establish a network of political connections in the Lebanese parliament. Okay, here we go. The, Le- the Palestinian Liberation Organization and the Jordanian Palace. Okay. So PLO, Lebanese parliament, uh, king of Jordan. Sure. The trifecta. Yep. <laughs> Eddie said, often said he was a descendant of the Hamor dynasty that ruled Yemen 3,000 years ago. Just pull that shit out. It's bold, yeah. Yeah. 35 successive kings and queens. No one can verify it. But to Eddie, it was true. Quote this narrative and filters every story about himself through his imagined bloodline. Or oh, I should say, uh, all, almost every quote is from uh, Omar Mulam, who wrote an article for 18bridges.com. Um, very did good he, article. Did he have a sign, me king? <laughs> he did. <laughs> How he could did. you argue that? Yeah. No, <laughs> you can't. Once it's in writing. Um, so, Eddie soon returned home with the kids because Laureen, uh, Laureen was like, okay, we'll, we'll get back together. Uh, yeah, of Comes course. Well, when he kidnaps your children and takes them to another nation, you're yeah. like, I'll hail Mary this. So, they're going to give it another shot. Sure. Uh, he, but he decided that they needed a change. Uh, so in 1970, Eddie moved to the Okanagan Valley in British Columbia. Is that, that's near here, right? Just east? Yep. Uh, well, everything's east. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Nice work, David. It's east. Okay, Mr. Geography. <laughs> I don't know much, <laughs> but I know when it's blue. <laughs> um, the area was beautiful. It reminded him of where he was born, of the Becca Valley in Lebanon. It's also a very conservative place in 1970. The city of Kelowna had about 19,000 people, uh, and a rich Lebanese dude with a big personality stood out a little bit. Sure. <laughs> He's still in the white tux, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Has to be. Uh, so he was, uh, he, he, he lived in nearby Peachland, which is near. Uh, are you Peachland? Are you Peachland people? Are there peaches there? There really are peaches? Huh. It would be real bullshit if there weren't. Yeah. yeah. No, but a city can dream, can it? <laughs> <laughs> So, everything moves slow in Peachland. The speed limit can get as slow as 30 kilometers an hour on Highway 97. Now, I, I know we, I know we uh, and let's just translate uh, to uh, American miles. 500 miles an hour. I think, yeah, it's 550 miles an hour. <laughs> so, anyone listening, they want the conversion. Uh, and then he really stood out, besides just being a Lebanese guy. Uh, he built his dream house on a rocky ridge that overlooked the lake. The house was massive, towered over everything. It had seven bedrooms, three living rooms, two elevators. What? One goes down, one goes up. <laughs> what, do you just got one up and down? Are you poor? <laughs> Lord. 
This dude has come a long way from the me barber sign. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Two elevators? Yeah. And it was not exactly architecturally consistent. It looked like part Moorish castle and part German chateau. So he combined the looks, which go together seamlessly. <laughs> yeah. uh, and he built it in a spot that was visible for miles, so everyone in the valley could see it. So everyone could people, see how monstrous it was? Yeah, people, so people didn't like it. They called it vulgar looking and an eyesore. So they're not happy with him already. Okay. But Eddie's not close to being done. Oh, Jesus. He had plans. With the house? Nope. Oh, <clears throat> oh damn it. He decided he was going to build a Middle Eastern-themed amusement park to bring tourists to the area. <laughs> wow. That is... Okay, dokey. <laughs> Get on the kidnapping ride where you take four of your children on a ride they don't know about. <laughs> Lie the whole time to their faces. <laughs> <laughs> All right, get in line. Put the bag on your head. All right. You want to go real fast? <laughs> oh, look, kids, it's boarding school. Get out, get out, get out, get out, get out of the, get we'll out. We'll be back on the ride to pick you up. Get out. I'll be back in a week. Uh, he wanted to give people an understanding of his heritage and entertain, entertain them. That is... So one Sunday, after, one Sunday afternoon, he's taking a drive, and then he sees an island near Peachland. Uh-oh. It's a rather barren, empty island. Perfect for an amusement park. A lot of rock, a lot of scrub, about five acres. Quote, it looked like the mountain's severed, misshapen digit where little grew but for a lopsided pine tree. One poor pine tree? How? Okay. And Eddie thought, well, that's the perfect location to build my dream amusement park. He quickly learned the island was not zoned for anything, which meant he could develop in any way he wanted. Okay. The only thing it was known for was the local First Nations tribe, mythical creature, the West Bank, which is like a Loch Ness type thing that apparently lives in a cave under the island. Hogopogo. Hogopogo? Yeah. Is this the Canadian Oofty Goofty? (laughs) Hogopogo? It's not, it's not called the West Bank? I thought that no. sounded weird. All right. There's a whole statue to Ogopogo. Have I've, you? Yeah, I've been. <laughs> I think that was where... I, I sincerely think that's where I performed. And uh, uh, first of all, on the marquee, it's a gold flake. <laughs> and a, Just gold flake would be great. And... A stripper opened up and bombed. What? <laughs> like they didn't want to see a nude woman. Yeah. So you're back. She was like, she was like, you were to Nirvana. Yes. Wow. And then I got on stage, and as soon as I hit the mic, uh, uh, there was a, a hockey game, and oh. someone puts money in it, and O Canada in its entirety plays. <laughs> And I'm like, do I do my act? I'm like, do I take my hat off? What's the aga, angle? Aga, aga. <laughs> no, if you interrupt O Canada before a hockey game here, they kill you. Hmm. Legally. Oh. In uh, America, we respect the country, so that's right. We inflate it to be the most important thing. You guys will get it. You're close. 
So Eddie paid uh, the owner of the island $10,000, and he bought the island. It's not really a, a bargain, considered it was like a you know, rock-covered island. Yeah, and Ogopogo's going to eat his brain. Yeah. <laughs> now, owning the island, Eddie went to a Peachland town hall meeting in 1971. Not really well-received. First, he was the guy who built the big garage house on the rock. Sure. On the cliff, I mean. And now he was in a town hall with new plans. One counselor said Eddie was wearing a, quote, zoot suit. Ooh, that is... That's how you show up. That's how you know you mean business. I doubt... I, I think he was probably just wearing a colored suit, and the guy's like a white, racist Canadian guy. And right. Yeah. It's with your fucking zoot suit, brown guy. Was... Right. I think it went like that. Right. Was the mask out yet? Oh, it might have been... Ma- <laughs> if it was mascara. <laughs> trying to figure out... I know, I shaped my wardrobe after the mask for a year or so. Uh, so Eddie went ahead and explained his plans for the new property, Rattlesnake <laughs> Island. Right. It would be called the Moroccan Shadu theme park. Oh, I was worried the name would be crazy, but then, so then, okay. <laughs> so that's fine, the name's fine. Okay, that's a relief, because I was like, what is he going to name it? One, Me Amusement Park? Yeah. One, it rolls off the tongue. That's bad. You're not going to forget that one. No. Even though I already forgot what it was called. What's it called? The Moroccan Shadu theme park. There it is. Shadu. Yep. Uh, it would look great on a shirt. Uh, For sure. And he said it would bring t- together his cultures, his Arabian and Canadian, right? Okay. It was also exactly the kind of multi- multiculturalism that Prime Minister Pierre Trudeau was championing at the time. Uh, Papa Bear. <laughs> Everyone knows the truth. It was bigger than just an island amusement park. Eddie, quote, I had a vision to do something good for the country. Okay. He told the counselors it would uh, have an 18-hole mini golf course, which would be partly on the water as well as on the island. Hmm. That's, um, so Jesus can play? Yep. (laughs) Okay. Each hole would celebrate a different aspect of Middle Eastern culture. Oh, my God. This is 18 holes. (laughs) It would wind through two miniature Great Pyramids. Every 20 feet, there would be a storyteller. Oh, my God. As if Cause golf mini- or mini-golf doesn't suck enough. <laughs> we got <laughs> to slow it down. Yeah. yeah. Can I have my ball back? Not yet. <laughs> Sit there down. Were, there, uh, were, there were three blind travelers. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. I thought the windmill was hard to get through. <laughs> Have you heard of Babylonia? I don't want to play anymore. I'm going to swim back to the regular. I'm going back to Canada. I can't do this. Uh, one storyteller would be on a donkey. <laughs> this is, he's, tell, he's pitching all this I, at the meeting? Yeah. This is too specific. You just got to be like, I'm building an amusement park. It's going to be great. Then the people be like, okay. Once you start talking about Will story- there be donkeys? <laughs> Yeah, uh, there will be a couple donkeys, maybe. Yeah, and, but it'll be involved in the storytelling. It's for the storytellers. <laughs> it's hot in here, huh? It'll there be is. for the story. Maybe it's the zoot suit. I don't know what's going on, but I'm sweating my balls off up suit. here. I should have maybe. It's hot out. Should have worn sports. Uh, yeah. Another storyteller would be making bread. Won't be long. I mean, it will be. Another would be charming snakes. Oh my god. Hold on, it's not in here. Oh, no. <laughs> Are we talking charming, like, hypnotizing, or just like, 
you look really good. Like hitting on it, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm actually, a lot of my good friends are snakes. And so yeah. if you ever want to get together, I'd love to pick your brain a little bit about some of the <laughs> venom stuff, you know, and how you just look at the enzymes in your mouth. I just find it fascinating. So anyway, here I am rambling, but I was just a big fan. And then there were... <laughs> Then there was the... This is crazy? Wait, so it gets weird now. <laughs> okay. You know, like, uh, Dave, you tipped your hand. We know that something strange is about to occur. And then there was the giant concrete camel. <laughs> Quote, 36 feet tall by 26 feet wide with oh. steps that go into his stomach and what? 39 flavors of ice cream inside. Ah... <laughs> uh. Oh my god. I just, mean, imagine. Just like Iraq. Imagine. Imagine the maintenance of such a thing. <laughs> Where's all the ice cream? Yeah, Eddie, this idea is fucking bananas. I can't. I, what do you expect from us? Well, we're, we're having a random belly inspection. A, the scoopers are supposed to be in the water. Yeah, we're done. We are leaving. Guy. You're racist. Yeah. <laughs> I want to yeah. build a camel with ice cream in it. I've got a couple questions. <laughs> Is the camel on the water? No, the camel's on the land. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because that would have been weird. I have a. I, I also have a question. Has he ever been to an amusement park? No. Okay. Because <laughs> so far it feels like he's missing the mark a lot. Yeah. You know, storytellers at mini golf and an ice cream filled camel. This, I, uh, is, this is what happens if a guy goes to a barren island and take mu- takes mushrooms. Oh, I, well, now I'm back on board. I had uh, head trauma recently. Still, this wasn't as weird. <laughs> Wait, tell him tell well, what happened. Oh, when you I, had your... I, I did have a concussion, and I was laying in the gurney in the hospital, and I actually remembered my life, like, in waves, and then I had this moment where I went, he is the president. <laughs> oh. It was like election night all over again. Uh-huh. I was just like, oh. I had like a four-hour window where things were pretty good. Uh, it was, yeah. <laughs> Tell me, nurse, who's the, what year is it? Who's the president? I'm not allowed to tell you that. You might go into shock. Let me get the doctor. Hit me on the fucking head again. Uh, <laughs> Harder. You do me. You do up. me first. You do me. <laughs> yeah, I had that thought. I was like, wow, he's the president. <laughs> when you have a concussion, everything you say after, people go, uh, is this the concussion? Right. <laughs> I didn't recognize my daughter. I was out with her one night, and she came back, and she took her purse, and I go, that's my daughter's purse, and I started fighting with her. And then I realized it was my daughter, and she got really upset. And in my head, I was like, this is the coolest magic trick I've ever seen. Hey. I really, everybody else was like, oh, he doesn't know, and I was like, do that again. <laughs> so, Bob, this is going to... I don't know how to say this, but you don't have a daughter. <laughs> so he isn't the president? 
Uh, oh no, he's the president. Oh, that, uh, that remains. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I stole a lady's purse. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. fought with her <laughs> pretty much, and told yeah. her it was your daughter's. <laughs> uh, I like okay. to say I'm feeling fine. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So there was also going to be a swimming pool and restaurants that would serve delicacies from Yemen. Also a cave and a pretend submarine. <laughs> this could be what a about great... a ride? A Ferris wheel in the mix or maybe some nope. teacups? No, you got the pyramids and the talk donkey, talking donkey guy. Yeah. You don't need a Ferris wheel. Yeah. Um, even with some opposition from uh, the council, the Peachland Council agreed to help with an onshore dock for a water taxi that would ferry visitors to the theme park. Wow. But it's still, like I said, it's not zoned. It's his property. And with some people on board, Peachland's mayor, uh, other people are not. Sure. I watched an interview with one guy, and he's like, they're going to have boats coming across, and people will be throwing their diapers in the lake. What, why can nobody just be like, you should not have a huge camel with ice cream in its gut? <laughs> you got to worry but about that. Instead, the... there's just some guy worried about diapers? Yeah. You uh, worry the about diaper the... litter is going to skyrocket. You now, Randy, that's your problem with everything. I'm just telling you, they get confident, and then they start throwing their diapers around. You'll I... see. You're laughing at me now, but you'll see. Are these... Baby diapers? No. Or adult diapers? I just think Canadians, when they get on boats, they put on diapers. Yeah. That's my understanding. <laughs> well, if you're eating ice cream out of a camel's stomach, you might want to have a contingency plan. <laughs> <laughs> it's because he's got a diaper selling section. This is where we sell the diapers. Extra small, medium, large. Uh, so the people who were against it were very vocal. They wrote letters to local papers, to the councillors. Some said the amusement park would disrupt the peace and quiet of the area. Others were upset that one of the first things Eddie had done was to begin building uh, a barge made out of tires. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Here's the thing. <laughs> the only difference between him and a certifiable crazy person is he has money. Yes. People with money, they are eccentric. Yeah. This guy should have been locked up. (laughs) 100%. Hardly anyone in the area knew the island was privately owned by Eddie, and there was no zoning, and those who did know didn't care. But Eddie moved forward with his plans. He drafted them up and started building. Eddie didn't hire architects. He just walked around the island and started sketching on his own. By the way, my guess is any architect he was meeting with was like, I'm absolutely passing. Uh, what is your plan? I would be all in. <laughs> Same. I go, a camel with ice cream? 36 flavors of ice cream. Oh. Perfect, Eddie. That is genius. The biggest local concern of all came from a school teacher and conservationist named Desmond Lone. In his opinion, uh, this was desecration of the land. And Lone was on the town council. He didn't care that Eddie had purchased the land. Lone and the council had already designated the island as a picnic site. Oh, what? (laughs) You know what I want to do? I want to go out, get under that one tree, (laughs) and just relax. Just Just uh, lay on that rock. Lay Lay down on that rock with the tree. (laughs) One tree. Have a baguette sandwich under the one leaning pine. That's a very Canadian-like objection. It's for picnics! (laughs) 
come on, eh? Good Lord! <laughs> uh, Lone told reporters that this plan would turn Rattlesnake Island into Coney Island. And he loved the valley. And according to his daughter, wanted it turned into a national park. So to him, a ridiculous theme park was horrifying. And he saw Eddie as the guy who just wanted to make money and didn't care about the land. Now, a friend who knew Lone said, quote, Des was strongly opposed to the development on Rattlesnake Island, and I believe he disliked Eddie until the day he passed away. Hmm. But when the guy said that, Lone was still alive, living in an old folks' home. <laughs> hey, well, hey, I'm okay still. <laughs> we miss him. You we miss him a lot. I'm back here. He died slowly. We, I didn't die slowly. I'm alive. We, I'm dying slowly. We He's think gone. you have three hours left. How do you feel about Eddie? Uh, I, he took away my right to picnic. <laughs> my God-given right to have a sandwich on a blanket with some apple cider that looks like champagne. <laughs> So you would say you hate him to the day you die? Yes, but well, I don't know how I'll feel in a few hours. (laughs) I can't see my opinion changing. (laughs) Uh, Wouldn't mind a little of that camel cream, though. (laughs) That's possible. That that could that could turn me around, maybe. It just squirts out of the uh... The penis. I didn't want to say it, but yeah. Well, you uh, gestured like a huge dong was drizzling it on you. What did you think I'd say? You insinuated hard. We should be a charades team. <laughs> that was magic. I, could, I think I could hang on another day. I finally got a purpose. <laughs> Two words. I'm dying. Oh, how does it work? Oh, oh. Uh. <laughs> Oh, oh dear, oh dear, oh my! You're really locked into this guy. I'm expiring. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna throw my diaper out. Hold on. Oh, I've become what I loathed. You are what you hate. It's so true. <laughs> oh. So Eddie had an engineer drop plans for the theme park, and according to both Eddie and the engineer, it was structurally and environmentally sound. (laughs) It's not not a lot of carbon coming out of the camel ice cream? (laughs) It didn't matter. People protested. There was concern about sewage disposal that would pollute the water supply, and Lone really didn't buy Eddie's engineer's report. And Lone was connected. He sent a letter to his brother-in-law, British Columbia Health Minister Ray Loafmark, and Whoa. soon the letter had been spread around uh, four other departments of the Canadian government, as well as the provincial chief medical officer and the premier's office. Okay. The premier's... Viral. Yeah. The premier's uh, district included both Peachland and Rattlesnake Island. And the chief medical officer sent out an internal memo saying they, quote, could scotch it by expropriation. Everyone in the local government seemed on board with ending Eddie's theme park idea. It wouldn't be a stretch to say this was in part being done because Eddie was not a white guy. There it is. There it is. And they started putting up roadblocks for the development. Local government officials began a campaign to stop Eddie. There was suddenly an endless stream of red tape 
And some of it was just made up. They just made it up as they went along, and he suddenly needed approval for a sewage system, and it was stalled with bureaucracy. The highway, uh, highway ministry blocked access to the ferry dock. The provincial government retroactively zoned the island as, quote, a forest and grazing reserve. It did have a tree. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, and I, God, the animals love to eat rocks. They do. So it's perfect for um, grazing. You just crunch them down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the cow has five stomachs. One is a gizzard, and it's filled with stones. And That's right. The other full of ice cream, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Some jimmies. Yes. <laughs> Sprinkles in one, yeah. And whatnot. <laughs> Nuts. Little baseball uh, hats to put it in. Yeah. <laughs> Quote, at one point, municipal affairs tried to stop uh, Eddie by sending him a telegram informing him of an, am- of an amendment to the Pollution Act clearly drafted just to thwart him. But which hadn't even been passed at that point. It was just intimidation, plain and simple. Hmm. Eddie thought it was bullshit, and he ignored it. The whole time, Eddie just kept building. Yeah, I want this thing built. <laughs> yeah, I know. Now you want it built, yeah, right? Big yeah, big time. Yeah. 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 Uh, so as far as zoning, recent changes had been made that allowed local districts to create and define zoning laws. So the, the, the federal government was like, let's pass it off to let people zone on their own. But because of bureaucratic nonsense, no one had gotten around to making those laws so they couldn't stop Eddie building as long as he didn't stop construction for more than 90 days. As long as he didn't... So if he stopped construction and waited 90 days to start up again, then they could stop him. But oh, other than that, right. that was the only thing. Oh, my God. He's not stopping. This man is a dream. Yeah. <laughs> they took Eddie to court three times. They lost each time. Eddie, uh, 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 in June 1972, tried to bring several hundred guests as a preview. So he's got some stuff built. He's got, I think, I think at least one of the pyramids. He's got a, a lot of the golf course built. He's got, um, there's a, is a fire pit. <laughs> fire pit, sure. Camel's got only one hump. Oh. <laughs> the budget, obviously. Just imagine there's two humps. <laughs> so you guys will be thrown off, but that's actually going to be a two-humper by the time we're done. And Eddie's wife at this point, is she like, I'm glad we tried this again. This is, <laughs> this makes sense. I'm glad we took another spin. I can see that you worked out whatever problems you were having. I like this new stable, Eddie. Uh... So he throws this preview for several hundred guests he invites, and RCMP officers came, and... You guys, we love cops. Uh, they came and stayed the entire day on the water taxi dock telling people they shouldn't go to the island. Ooh. Mm. Uh, so he, he fucked up his day, but he keeps moving forward. He keeps building. This, is, a, this it, is very similar to a Billy Jack uh, film. <laughs> you don't hear that a lot. Maybe they based it off this. I feel they did. I think they Tom Laughlin owes Bill, Eddie some money. <laughs> He'll take it. Um, so, so it goes on for three years like this. Them Holy just slowing shit! Him down, I'm trying to wow. build the thing. They're grinding Eddie down, and he felt the country of Canada was conspiring against him. Do you think he just had one of those Field of Dream voices in his head the whole time? I hope so. Build, if you build a uh-huh. giant ice cream camel, I tried. It just people it's think it's so crazy. Gonna be weird, but. They're going to come. Uh, you're the only friend I have, Sky. Sorry, the voice. camel's going to come. You want the camel? Yeah. It's a- Listen. Shh. 
<laughs> it's just that I'm alienating everyone around me so much that I hear hope you're for real because I put... Bro, hear me out. I don't like it when you say bro. It know, feels just, weird. Bro, it feels like you're... Okay. Just, just listen to me. Okay. So when the camel comes... I'd rather not hear the rest, but okay. <laughs> it's not going to be white. It's going to be like a Neapolitan... Oh. Just load of... So it's like a sample spoon. Yeah. It's, it's just going to come out. Okay, I'll go back to the council there. And kids are going to be so happy. I don't, know if the, I don't know if the kids should be over there. Should they be near that? No, this is where the kids belong. All right, you're in charge. Oh, yeah. I hope to meet you someday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right now I'm on my island. Uh, but if you just look me up, Epstein. Uh, uh, so at this point the royal bank heard all about the delays and all the shit with the construction and they pulled his loans okay the Moroccan Shadu theme park was dead Eddie had spent $170,000 no way to get it back he can't pay his bills his finances are, are exhausted by both the construction and the court costs. The fight over the island made him completely focused on winning the battle. That's all he'd been focused on. And then because of that, he neglected his family. So finally, Lorene had had it. Oh, real, this is what did it? Yeah. <laughs> In 1973, she left and took the kids. They just had a new baby. And she moved the family to Alberta. Uh, They're here tonight. I wouldn't. I just wouldn't. I just wouldn't cheer that much because the whole government situation. Uh, <laughs> Eddie's lawyer told him he could fight for the kids and win, but he didn't have any money left. "Quote: My advice is to go to Victoria and kiss their ass and buy them and and let them buy the island and then go back to Edmonton." Okay. So the lawyer's like, "Give up." Right. Take the money, go back to your fucking family. Right. It's done. Right. So Eddie gave in. But the government was not about to offer him anything close to what he had already put in. The offer was just 40K. Wow. So he rejected it. And now he was fucking pissed. Ugh. Come on. And was really going to build his fucking Let's team. go. Let's go. <laughs> build it. <laughs> So Eddie held a press conference. <laughs> oh, yes, of course. Why not? I hope you bitches like camels. Because <laughs> now there's going to be a bunch of camels. Because let me tell you, bitch, 64 flavors. <laughs> That's all he is announcing. I'm here to announce something huge. We're doubling the flavor in the camel. Two cocks. <laughs> two. One hump, two cocks. Take that, God. That's okay with me. <laughs> hey, who's the other guy I keep talking to? He's... That's Bert. Is he on the up and up? No. Well, I've spent three years. He's a cum freak. <laughs> that came across. <laughs> I only made one of him. He's bad. I put him on an island. Well, see ya. I'm a little turned on. 
Uh, I'm not getting involved in anything like this. I, let's keep it what Hocus it is. pocus. Excuse me? Sorry, I'm getting a little weird. <laughs> yeah, super. I've been huffing gus, gu, gas racks. Sorry. Sorry, did you say huffing gus racks? Yeah, been, I've been huffing gus. Do you know gus? <laughs> oh, I don't know who gus is, <laughs> but I think I want to hit. <laughs> So he holds a press conference, and one reporter shows up. Yes, down front. <laughs> you again. Yeah, you. Don't, no need to look around any longer. We're pretty... It's just, just us. He's from the Kelowna Capital News. And Eddie goes ahead with the press conference. First, he pulled out a birthday cake. And he lit the candles. And he said it was for his estranged children's birthdays. And then he blew it out. Would you wish? Never mind. <laughs> We're going to start this one out really sad. According to the only reporter, Eddie said, quote, if he were not allowed to proceed with his development, he would drink human blood and eat human flesh to mark a black day for Canada. How do you transition from birthday cake to that? That is... <laughs> What's your segue? <laughs> Speaking of uh, eating things. <laughs> so the reporter was like, I am glad I showed up to this shit. Slow down. Just you get that from the top. Okay. And he spoke about the conspiracy against him by the government. But no one bought it. Everyone thought Eddie had lost his mind. Because he said he'd drink blood and eat person? Yeah, there's that. Also the conspiracy talk. It's all crazy to everybody. So obviously Eddie's been fucking losing it over the island battle. Two years ago, he'd been a rich guy with a family uh, to now a poor man who owned a barren island. He had no family. He believed the government's conspiring against him, mostly because the government was literally conspiring against him. <laughs> he pursued his theme park, but his goals had changed. Where he once wanted to share his culture and make a place for people to have fun, he now wanted to build the Moroccan Shadu theme park purely for revenge. So he's making Fuck You Island. <laughs> I'm way on board. And his thoughts began to turn to violence. Oh, no. Uh, Uh-oh. Laureen knew this, and she said it's one of the reasons she left. Years later, she would write a book about their relationship, and she wrote that Eddie was physically, sec- physically abusive, sexually crazed, and a swindler, but the book is also uh, a serious anti-Muslim hate fest painting the entire Middle East as a festival of honor killings and full of fundamentalists, so it's hard to take what she said seriously. Eddie and uh, Lorraine's son, Lee, uh, said his father's truth, truth is closer to reality and his mother's truth is the lesser truth. Okay. Uh, he said so the book... <clears throat> Eddie's more in reality? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I just yeah, want to make great. sure I heard that right. Yeah, it's not a great... I, Lee I, says... <laughs> You think my dad's nuts? <laughs> mom. <laughs> yeah, mom was the loose cannon out of the bunch. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She was nuts. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, so at this point, Eddie essentially had one close friend in B- British Columbia. His name was Ralph Shooten. And Ra- uh, he told Ralph he was going to the Middle East for six weeks. And there he would use his political connections 
to get support for his theme park cause. He planned to even visit King Abdullah. Oh, boy. And he was going to get all of his political connections to write letters saying that he was great, and they supported him and his theme park, and he hoped this would, quote, shame the British Columbia government into letting him build his park or offer him a better deal. Okay. So he gets how things work. Yeah. Yes. Right? You get a bunch of letters from a bunch of Lebanese, yeah. uh, you know, parliament guys. Leverage. And then, and then in Canada, they're like, oh, okay, cool. Sorry, we yeah. didn't know you were great. Uh, <laughs> we apologize. Uh, so he went to the Middle East. Sure enough, he got letters from Lebanese ministers, including former Lebanese Prime Minister Amin al Hafez. And then he flew back to Canada. And he says the day he got back, Shooten came to his house unannounced, which was very weird because no one knew he was back yet. Okay. And Eddie said he then decided to test Shooten because he thought something was up. He said he'd come back with, quote, six letter bombs. What a test. It's <laughs> <laughs> a crazy start. And he told Shooten he needed him to get official. RCMP envelopes so he could send the letter bombs and they would get through. Okay. Now, Shooten's not anybody official. He's just a dude. Right. So Shooten was like, yeah, that sounds good. I'll go get the envelopes. And it didn't take him long. He came back that same morning with the official envelopes. Okay. And so then you're like, wait, are you out of your mind? What are you doing? We can't do that. Which was even more suspicious to Eddie. And he was right to be suspicious because Eddie had been uh, talking of violence this, for a little while as he became unraveled, which led the RM, RCMP to put him under surveillance and then send Shooten, who was actually an undercover cop, to become his friend. Wow. His only friend. Yeah. As an undercover cop. Yeah. So you got to take him where you can get him. Uh, pass. So... Shooten introduced himself pretending to be an angry ex-flight attendant who wanted revenge on, the, on an airline for firing him for taking money from ticket sales. What a dumb backstory. What? That's the worst backstory of all time. It's <laughs> so, st- like, like Donnie Brasco-ing, but you're like a flight attendant. Now, when he asks you about that, you're going to need to say you did service three times with the cart. Wait, what? And then you pick up the trash with the plastic bag. He's going to know this shit. How do you put on the life vest? How do you put on the life vest? Fuck. The masks drop. Who do you put it on first, the kid or you? Who gets the Uh, mask first? I do. Yes, and then what do you do? Put it on the kid! Sit down and put on your seatbelt. Oh, for God's sake. Would you like a Coke? Better. We're getting there. We only have Pepsi. Good. (laughs) All right, we'll come back tomorrow. We'll hammer this a little more. We're going to get you there. You can't smoke in the bathroom. You can't smoke on the goddamn plane. In the plane! (laughs) Stop hitting that lady's seat! (laughs) And remember, ask permission before you recline. That's how we do it now. Turn around to your neighbor and say, may I recline? And when he says no, go, fuck you. I I pay for this fucking seat. (laughs) Did you not know what this was before you got on it? It's a fucking plane and seats move Two inches. Yeah. Oh, God, it can't handle the two inches. (laughs) 
We need to isolate the clip where Dave said, oh, God, we can't handle two inches. He <laughs> <laughs> uh, just said that. Now it's all over Twitter. Uh, well, that's my phone. Oh, we need two inches. Oh, we need two inches. Oh, we need two inches. What's up, Dave? How you doing, buddy? I like what, with all the cum talk I've done. That's the one thing that you think. <laughs> Quit being so boastful about all your cum talk. Uh... Still, now, Eddie's saying he thought that shooting was acting suspicious doesn't completely add up, because later that day, Eddie, after all this, he still goes to Eddie's house with all the envelopes, which were addressed to the premier, Laureen, and, quote, his other sworn enemies. Is that just what's written on the address? Other sworn enemies. <laughs> sworn enemies. <laughs> He'll okay, know what Eddie. I mean. I know who they are. He'll know what I mean. Uh, Eddie claims he did this to test Schooten's loyalty. Yeah. Which turned out to be a bad idea because cops were waiting right outside the house to arrest him as soon as he walked out the door. It was a prank! Schooten reported that Eddie said he wanted to get an M14, 100,000 rounds of ammo, and grenades. He said he had made contacts with an explosives expert in the States. That's easy. And... (laughs) And that he had a few passports and had made connections with gorillas. Okay. Now, I assume those are actual gorillas. Yeah, yeah. real gorillas. I don't know. I don't know. I've been talking to Coco. (laughs) She's so smart. Very excited. (laughs) Coco's super on board. Coco's on board. She says, I love you and I want more ice cream. Uh huh, yeah. You know, I don't. (laughs) Coco. Um, yeah, I do, uh, you know, Robin Williams was my pal, and yeah. he met Coco twice. That video is amazing. When but he the first there. time he meets Coco, Coco's saying, and then the second time he met Coco, they just it, she, she's signing to Robin, and then they the Wranglers grabbed Robin and pulled him out of the cage, and they go, he's like, what did what did what did she say? And she said she wanted to take you in the back. And, and he goes, well, what would have happened then? And he goes, anything Coco wanted to. <laughs> Coco wanted to I mean, to fuck she was more. enamored, yeah. yeah. Like, to be like, may I have him? No, Coco, get, uh, get Robin, get out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Let me just say, I got <laughs> That's amazing. That's a really weird name drop story. No, no, it's cool, man. No, it's normal. Coco and Robin. It's like Kevin Bacon. But if you're you're in charge, you let that happen for this stand-up bit. (laughs) I don't know know if he's standing up much after that. That's an (laughs) all-time... That is amazing, though. That video, and they they tell Coco of his passing, and Coco is genuinely like upset. But, but, you know, I... uh, I don't. He uh, when he, he had a heart uh, problem, and they they put a a pig valve, and that was like I was like talking to him. People were, were and I, and he's like, you know, they gave me a pig valve, and I was like, well, what's wrong with that? He goes, oh, I wanted a tenacious valve, like I wanted that chimp that ripped that woman's face off. I wanted <laughs> I wanted that chimp's valve, is what he said, and I was like. Oh, he's okay. <laughs> he's going to be okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh. Oh, fuck. Uh. Uh, so, 
Where are we? Uh, Vancouver. So, what? Vancouver. Right, Vancouver. So, uh, so they, they arrest him, and with the letters, they think that you know, this ties him to all the statements he's made. You know, it makes it worse. They have physical evidence to go with the threats. Right. Um, and they're going to put him away for a long time. But then they open the letters, and they're just letters. Although, they're the ones from the politicians, like he said. Although Eddie had wrapped each letter in cloth, so it would seem really heavy. Ah. <laughs> uh. He claims this was a prank. So he really did claim it was a prank. Yeah. It's a goof. I'm having fun with you guys. <laughs> so they would think there were bombs. A quote I wanted to show them, they were fools. But they hit Eddie with 37 charges. Court documents stated the letter bombs were, quote, duds, but realistically resemb- resembled letter bombs. What? And that he told Shooten that they were indeed letter bombs. But Eddie said he meant they were bombs in the sense that the letters would have a big impact. Oh, wow. That he is meant, like... He meant... That... He meant that they were dope. Yeah, yeah. He's just dropping He's truth bombs. The bomb. They pushed for the judge to declare Eddie insane. Bold move. Yeah. yeah. What evidence do they have? <laughs> So the judge would not give him bail, and he spent six months in jail where he worked as a barber. <laughs> Things, yeah, full, full circle. circle. Yeah. It is yeah. the circle Final of life. life. So it, prison was hell. Uh, quote, prison was a nightmare. His dream home was destroyed in a suspicious fire. The insurance renewal form hadn't reached him in jail, so he had no coverage. So his house is gone. Oh, wow, man. that's crazy. Over a month, several court ordered psychiatrist testified that Eddie was delusional and believed, quote, there was a conspiracy on behalf of certain people in the government to thwart his business attempts. Mm, really? Crazy. Which what was, was the evidence? True. Yeah. Uh, one doctor said his behavior was due to a cultural background, quote, that accepts violence as a way of life. Uh, While there was a recess during a hearing, the government once again pressured Eddie to take the 40000 for the sale of Rattlesnake Island which is an odd thing to do to a man you've just been trying to declare legally insane because that means it wouldn't hold up, but weird, the government did it anyway. Now, Eddie just wanted it all over, and he thought it would help, so he agreed to sell his island. Damn it. Quote, they adjourned for 15 minutes, and they, and they brought me the paper and asked me to sign. I would have sold it back for a dollar, anything to get, get the hell out of there. But he didn't get, they didn't let him go. Uh, four other doctors said Eddie had paranoid schizophrenia and other psychoses. So, yeah, they're all, they're all lining up against him. Right. Uh, he was constantly being moved between different jails. Pretty much everything he had was gone. But as uh, the case went on, his threats were clearly either delusional or hyperbole, and charges kept being dropped and dropped and dropped and dropped. So by the time... The case was done. By the time they were ready to prosecute, he was only charged with one misdemeanor. Possessing two child-sized brass knuckles. Who makes brass knuckles for kids? (laughs) It's the Lebanese. Oh, my God. (laughs) These are like like from Bugsy Malone. (laughs) These are mean kids. Yeah. Here's why this is all based on racism. Because yeah. they had a problem with his camel. And they're like, you can't build a camel. 
it's going to take away from our giant sea serpent statue. <laughs> Indeed, yes. Yep. It turns out he had bought the uh, child-sized brass knuckles for 15 cents in Lebanon to give to his son, Lee. <laughs> That's just a good dad. Who was actually 30, but he had little tiny hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Little tiny hands. And Lee still said the mother was the crazy one. Yeah. Yeah. So Eddie just wanted to plead guilty at this point to the misdemeanor and have it over with, and then he'd get a fine and walk out of court. Sure. That certainly is what would have happened in any normal situation, but the judge found Eddie insane, insane, insane due to his beliefs of a conspiracy and crazy claims that he was a danger to the people he'd threatened, particularly government officials, even though all of the, That's all, cool. even though all of the case fell apart. It's such that, I mean, amazing to make a person paranoid about that shit and then be like, you seem a little paranoid. <laughs> Are you okay? But <laughs> the one thing he wasn't crazy about is the thing they attacked him yeah. for. Yes. They yeah. Were lit- and they're literally it was still a prank. doing it. They're literally still doing it. Like they're doing it now, yeah. saying there's a cons- you're acting like there's a conspiracy against them while there's a conspiracy yeah. against them in the courtroom. Right. So he was, uh, he was put into a notorious mental facility, Riverview. We got some alumni. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shout out. Uh, where he was a alumni. Uh, like William Lapine, who went on a killing spree after what? he escaped in 1972. But he said so he was with literally fucking, you know, people were out of their minds. Right. Uh, Eddie cut hair, he did arts and crafts. He built a very detailed miniature plywood glue model of a development which he told was a mock-up of Rattlesnake Island. Never let it go. Yeah. <laughs> An attorney who, held, uh, who, who helped many people who were stuck in Riverview, Robert Gardner, took up Eddie's case and got him released after 12 months. Jesus. Eddie was under the impression part of the deal was that he had to leave the country. Even though that wasn't part of the deal, but clearly they, someone told him. Right. Uh, so before leaving, Eddie took his plywood miniature model to a construction firm called uh, Syncolloid Metal Products, and he pretended he was a Lebanese businessman and showed the model to the president of the firm, who became very excited about building this project overseas. So Eddie convinced the president he was going to raise millions of dollars through his connections in the Middle East, and they would build it in Lebanon and the, guy, the head of the firm actually considered opening up an office in Beirut to help you know, facilitate it. Uh-huh. This allowed Eddie to get to Lebanon and op- operate like a man who had an actual project going on. Right. And this allowed him to spend a lot of time at the Canadian consulate going over plans. Right. And he also convinced his cousins in Lebanon to help him. And then on February 23rd, He's been there about six months. 1976, Eddie and his cousins entered the underground parking lot of the Canadian Embassy in Beirut. Eddie was holding an AK-47. Oh, Jesus Christ. This is And his cousins all had guns. This is getting a little dark. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he wasn't kidding about the letter bombs. <laughs> he told two of his cousins to go to the third floor. Another cousin was told to hold the elevator, while another went with Eddie to the second floor. 
And he charged up the stairs through the steel doors and pointed an AK, his AK-47, at the first guy he saw, who turned out to be an old guy who was just sitting in a chair waiting for a visa. Eddie, quote, stand up, put your hands behind your back, and put your face to the wall. The man did not know what was happening and just sat there. And then Eddie repeated it in Arabic, and the guy fell to his knees and begged for God's mercy. Embassy staff came out to find what all the commotion was, and they discovered they were under some sort of attack. One staff member had met Eddie a few times since he arrived in Lebanon. They had discussed how he could sell construction materials on behalf of a Canadian manufacturer. And the staffer looked at Eddie and went, is this a joke? And then, yes, another prank. <laughs> <laughs> two for two. <laughs> you got the look on your face. <laughs> you were so freaked. Would it been so bad to just let him make his park? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's all he wanted. Yeah. yeah. He just wanted a guy wanted to make a park. Eddie hit the guy with the butt of his AK and then uh, they led everyone into a stairwell onto the third floor. There are around 20 diplomats, staff, and Canadian citizens. On the third floor, his cousins already had more hostages. So altogether, there were 33 hostages. But the one Eddie wanted, the, uh, I don't know how to say this, uh, Charge d'Affaires uh, to the Arab region was not there. Eddie, quote, where's Sullivan? Staff, he's not here, Eddie. Bullshit. I saw him from my apartment. Because for the last six months, Eddie had been living across the street from, from the building, watching all of the Canadian staff and what they did constantly. Oh, my God. It's very normal. No. Uh, so, Eddie knew there was only one place Sullivan could be hiding, and that was in his office. So he went to the office, and it's empty, but then he sees a, a pant leg. Sticking out. He sees a peg leg? A pant leg. A pant leg. Pant leg. He had a pant leg, and he, he sees does. a parrot. Okay. Yeah. And Rick, goes, we're under here! You fucking shit. <laughs> and he pulls on the leg and tells him to come out, and Sol- Sullivan crawls out on his hands and knees. And he took him to where the other hostages were. Quote, if anyone has a weapon, throw it down. Otherwise, you'll be wiped out. No one had one. Eddie then lowered his gun, and he said to Sullivan, quote, I didn't come here to hurt you, because if any of you get hurt, I'll be the first to lose. I came here to ask for your help. Here's my story. And then Eddie started by telling him that he was a descendant of the Hamor dynasty. Oh, my God. That ruled Yemen 3,000 years Eddie, we close at seven. Can we... (laughs) Maybe the cliff notes would be nice. So he tells him the whole story of his life. And after listening to Eddie's story, Sullivan called Ottawa. And Eddie demanded to speak with Prime Minister Trudeau, but that didn't happen. Sorry, he's putting on blackface. (laughs) Big event. But Sullivan was given permission to negotiate with Eddie on the other demands that he had. Now, according to London Times, there was a public apology from the Crown uh, and from the psychiatrist who declared him insane. $500,000... That's a good way to get an apology from a psychiatrist, that you're not insane. (laughs) I was so mistaken, Eddie. (laughs) What a crazy thing for me to think. Anyway, let the hostages go. Um, He wanted $500,000 for the island. He wanted a pardon from the Lebanese government for what he was doing right now. That's... When you're negotiating for your current crime. And, sure. he wanted, and he wanted custody of his kids. 
Okay, well, surely he's going to get that either way. What are the cousins doing? <laughs> yeah. just what's, like, what's in it for them? It's like... I don't know. And uh, can you get me a car? <laughs> and he's hey, a, ask for maple syrup. <laughs> and we demand a thing of maple syrup. The two things. And a hockey, a hockey puck. Let's not get crazy. <laughs> so... The, the Canadian government says they never considered the demand for the kids, but Lee, who was 14 at the time, heard his mom talking on the phone to the Canadian Minister of Defense. Lee, quote, we were scared. We thought we were going to get traded and would have to go back there. We were just thinking, are we going to get traded for hostages? Oh, my God. Hey, guys. You miss daddy? <laughs> what? Uh, Another a government official said she was told that day that a plane was actually waiting to take Lorene and the children to Lebanon. Wow. So even though the government said they did not, they were clearly negotiating. Yeah. Wow. Now there's total panic in Lebanon because Lebanon is on the brink of a civil war. Well, that amusement park's going to help. <laughs> Get a little camel ice cream. <laughs> and so Suddenly things don't seem so crazy. <laughs> So nobody, so nobody knows who's doing this or what's happening. So all the militias start rolling down towards the Canadian embassy. Uh, they showed up from all sides. All the militias from all sides showed up. They, they had rocket launchers. Rocket launchers. They had tanks. Tanks? That they're literally in the neighborhood, like all squaring off. Signal! If it, and everyone's getting concerned that if it continues much longer, Eddie might literally be responsible for kicking off the Lebanese Civil War. Well, just who needs him, an amusement park when you've got that under your belt? Just let him build a park. Yeah, let him build it. So wait, how, how did the Lebanese Civil War start again? Ah. Okay, so he's a really big camel. <laughs> Have you ever golfed with a snake charmer? Wouldn't that be something? Have you ever had to wait to play through for bed to bake? Bread to bake? Now you're like me. By the way, if he just dialed down the ideas a lot... Yeah, yeah. They would have let him build the park. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's miniature golf. You like miniature golf? Great. Yeah. Dad, don't mention the snake charmers. I've got yeah. them now for the big closer. If he had been like, it's going to be a big hockey stick and there's ice cream inside, yeah. they're on board. Yeah. yeah. Beavers. So after 14 beavers, <laughs> after 14 hours, the demands are agreed to. He gets amnesty for taking the hostages. Wow. He could return to Canada and, and fight for compensation of his land. Do you know he's representing Weinstein right now? <laughs> oh, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> the government agreed to an apology. Uh, he was only fined a very small amount for what he had done, but and he came back to Canada a free man. Th wow. that he really did? Yeah. What kind? That is the most Canadian negotiation ever. <laughs> <laughs> like, in any other country, you'd be like, hey, give us the gun, you dumb fuck. All right, no, none of it. But in Canada, like, hey, a deal's a deal. Uh, They're like, hey, he was mad. Good work. Come on over. Good work. Well, now we've got to apologize to this guy. Well, We're then, so sorry. He's, uh, well, then he came back to the same valley. Uh, and, and now people are like, 
Oh, he was hard done by. Like they were now, they're like respecting him. They're like, well, the guy had a hard time. We we, we didn't treat him great. This is not how you curb gun violence. (laughs) It's a feel good story where everybody wins. Um. So he he returns. He builds a small house after borrowing some money from friends. And after a while, he finds a lawyer, one who loved to take on the establishment. House had only one elevator. Yeah. <laughs> tough. Cutbacks. Tough, yeah. It doesn't go up or down because there's just one floor, but we got the elevator. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead. No, you can push a button. Press one. It the doors will close and they'll open. It's a ranch house. <laughs> Bing! Oh, look, there you are. Yeah. It's, it costs a lot of money. So... So, after 10 years, his case was heard before the British Columbia Supreme Court in Vancouver on August 7th, 1986. And when it was over, quote, Justice Gordon McKinnon delivered a devastating judgment concluding the government had conspired against Eddie Haymore and harassed him into poverty and a mental institution. Wow. Yay. The judge wrote a 75-page... Settle down, judge. ...judgment (laughs) slamming the government. Quote, pressing him to sell the property at a low price during his criminal proceedings was unconscionable. At least six government departments were part of the conspiracy. The actions were, quote, highly improper, illegal, and even cruel. Eddie was awarded $155,000... But then there was a further investigation by a provincial ombudsman, and he got another $140,000. And a public apology from the government. Now, Eddie was 56. Uh, He got married again and divorced again. It's not too late. He used the money uh, to build Casa Hamor, a bed and breakfast and restaurant. It was like a a small version of his island plan. He would greet guests sometimes in Arab-style robes. We've got a yak that has three ice creams in it. (laughs) He had a statue made of himself pointing at Rattlesnake Island. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) The middle finger. Rattlesnake Island is now, was now part of a park. Uh, Eddie, for the next 25 years, mythologized himself and truly believed he would, he would, have, uh, he would be taught to children in Canadian textbooks. Well, <laughs> that's very possible. <laughs> but he was pretty much just forgotten. He has spent recent years trying to get writers to turn his story into a movie. Uh, John Lazarus wrote a play about his life, but after 9-11 said it was really difficult to make people feel for a guy who took over the Canadian embassy with guns. You did it. It's, uh... It's... uh, Wait, I'm like... (laughs) You feel like you have a concussion again? (laughs) If Dog Day Afternoon was Canadian, it would have ended a lot happier. Yeah, 100%. Not so good. Yeah. Yeah, only, only Canadians are like, we get it. You took over the embassy with Okay, guns. the guy... He it's got fine. A... It's fine. We're Just sorry. go back to Canada. We're sorry. We're the we, bad guys. We're sorry. We didn't let you build your park. We're sorry. Would you like to meet the cast of Degrassi? 
<laughs> Snake, this is Eddie. Spike, this is Eddie. Caitlin, this is Eddie. He knows the names. Yeah, oh yeah, it's deep. Um, so, Eddie's still alive. A full-length documentary. Come on out! Oh, <laughs> uh, 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 if. Oh, my so God. Amazing. Throwing a diaper right away. Eddie, no, that's not... Uh, that's, that's the what they, thing they warned us about. That's what they feared, about. Eddie. That's what they feared. That's the very thing. Uh, a documentary was just made about him. Uh, it's only been... It was just shown at the Victoria Film Festival last week. That's the first place it premiered. So it's not out anywhere yet, but it's called Eddie's Kingdom. Uh, so maybe a movie will be made at the end. Um, so that's, that's it. That's his story. Uh, the main sources of this are uh, an article for 18bridges.com uh, called Eddie Haymore Immigrant Terrorism. Uh, oh, that's not wow. what it's called. Uh, that's just the... <laughs> that's the link. Sorry. But it's written by Omar <laughs> Moalam. I'm pretty glad it's not called that. Yeah. And then also a book called uh, Dead Ends BC Crime Story by uh, Paul Wilcox. Wow. He... We got to build this island. Yeah. You got to what? We got to build it. Oh, uh, the, the, the article's called The Kingdom of Hamor. So, he's, yeah, that's the craziest. I was just it's, reading all kinds of your history, which is fucked up, but I, I was like, this is fucking insane. <laughs> yeah, if you had told me at the beginning that I would be heavily on that guy's side, I'd yeah, have been right? you crazy. Yeah, yeah, I was like, what are you talking well, about? Well, so, so when, he, when he did it, there wasn't, terrorist wasn't a word. Right. Like, he came back, and they're like, some gunman took over a place. Right. If he had been labeled a terrorist oh, God, back yeah, then, yeah, for sure. it would be totally different. Completely. But, but back then, they're like, Eddie got mad. He was a he gunman was, with some other gunman. He was disgruntled. Yes, yeah. he was disgruntled. But even then, like, even if terrorism had been a thing or terrorist had been a word, I don't think it would be overused or, you know, manipulated in a way where you would just start being xenophobic True, at people yeah. just for no reason. No, I don't think that would be... I mean, the manipulation right. on that level, I mean, it would take sociopaths to actually push that through <laughs> and make that a wrinkle in our society and... You know, something that continues and snowballs and seems like it's never ending because it's perpetuated by the people that are in charge. Well, it would just you, be crazy. Once you can, once you can tie uh, tie an ethnicity to a you know a certain bad act or some sort of illness or you know don't eat Chinese food. Yeah, right. In summation, I a fucking Chinatown get some Chinese food. All their fucking businesses are closing. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. They're Good. not here? It's happening all over the world. Australia, yeah. the England, like and, everywhere. And while we're doing it... What? Yeah. Good. You should. And while we're at it, guys, buy Corona beer. They're hurting. They really... Talk uh, yeah. about a victim, a that's corporation true. that's yeah. taking it on the chin. Yeah. This, this whole story just reminded me of a story that I don't think I ever shared on a public level. Oh, God. Considering the shit you have shared, I'm terrified. <laughs> Do you know the dinosaur on the way to Palm Springs? Yes. Yeah. The one that's yeah. in the, the Pee-wee, the pee-wee yeah. dinosaur, yeah. 
So I went in there, and now it's owned by uh, these Christians that believe that the Earth was created in seven day, six days, and they have like a they have a knight on a dinosaur. In <laughs> <laughs> Are they suggesting that knights and dinosaurs were existed around at the same, same time? And there's a chimp yeah, in there yeah. too. There's duh. a chimp. Yeah, a chimp. Yeah, a, a real, a live chimp. No, no, that would be weird. And then, yeah. Um, yeah. So I went in there, and uh, so it's this. Now it's owned by these Christians, right? And I was up in the top of the dinosaur. And I was with a woman who was, I would say, how about if I just say artistic? And okay. so she wanted me to take artistic. I'm trying to make me look like the victim, but the reality, I was fine with this. Take some artistic photos in the T-Rex head. Sure. So she was topless in, uh, <laughs> in that dinosaur head. And I was taking pictures. And then things got a little heated up. And... <laughs> I was being serviced in the head of that dinosaur. What? Yeah. You got head in the head? So In a Christian dinosaur? And uh, what was the knight saying about all this? So, <laughs> so, then, so then, as this is going out, I'm seeing this view out the dinosaur's mouth. And if I was filming this, now I would have a snap zoom on my face and then I'd have a flashback to buying the ticket because behind the m- guy there was a monitor the same view that I'm watching. <laughs> so somewhere there's footage of me like this going. <laughs> I don't know how to describe that for the listeners. Me turning around, looking into a lens of a camera with a horrified expression, and then I go, we gotta go. And we ran out of the park, and it was great. Like, all the doors were locked, and we had to go by that guy that we bought the ticket from. How are you? Is everything going? And my friend Caitlin was yelling at me. She goes, you could be on, like, a sex offender's list. If they got you arrested, I go, Wait, was, nobody was there. It's a park for kids. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a chimp and a knight and a dinosaur hanging out. I'll get my dick sucked in it if I, demand, if I like that. I think the fundamentalist Christians would have just rolled with it. Yeah. Yep. I'm sure they wouldn't yeah, have been no, pissed. There's yeah, no well, way they're showing that tape in churches right now going, this is what they're like. This is police academy. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then you well, show Trump, and you're like, def- and this is a shepherd of goodness from the Bible. This is uh, <laughs> the man the Testament spoke of. I wasn't hot to trot, so I think <laughs> the writing yeah. was on the wall. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know why I've never told that story. Uh, well, because it's a, it's a sex crime. Yeah, that's probably that why. That was it, yeah. There's probably a statute of limitations. I'm I hoping so. that. I hope at least they <laughs> wipe the hard drives every once in a while. <laughs> oh, they wipe something. But you know... Oh, that poor guy's got to clean the inside of the dinosaur. Honestly, at this point in my life... Yeah. That would be pretty fun. Yeah. That yeah. court case. That, I agree. Yeah. I would just be recapping A dinosaur it. theme park versus you for the blowjob? Yeah. I'd watch that They case. probably don't want that publicity. 
You do. Right? Yeah. I just want to live in the same neighborhood as you where you walk up and knock on my door and go, so... <sighs> All right. I'm a sex criminal. <laughs> I, I came on a dinosaur. I, uh... And a knight and a chimp. I got... I got... I didn't complete... <laughs> Oh, then you're fine. It was the beginning of getting blown in the head of the dinosaur that was in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. I also like how you had to run away from the theme park, much like how Pee-wee had to exit. I like the fact that Paul Rubens was there, and I'm responsible for the weirdest thing that went down. (laughs) Thank you guys so much. Give it up for Bobcat Goldthwait. Thank you, Canada. Thank you, Vancouver. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it, truly. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, This is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun. Half Hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there. <laughs>